Hey everyone, Madeline here. Um, I do want to give a disclaimer before this chapter starts that I do say three of the books are based on cruise ships. And I do just want to say that none of the books we talk about have anything to do with cruises. So, sorry about that. I, um, I was wrong. Hello! Welcome back to the Probably Reading Podcast. We are very excited to be recording our second chapter. I'm so excited. I can't believe we're on our second chapter already. It, it's it been kind of a weird but very exciting week since we've put out our last, or I guess it was our first chapter, but it's just crazy to see like the support that we've received. The feedback, you guys, was amazing. You guys were like rock stars is that a good term seriously the amount of text messages and instagram messages we got saying people were tuning in it just it was so exciting to see that people kind of cared about what we were talking about right and it wasn't even just our close friends and family like there were some people that we haven't talked to in a long time that reached out and just explained like how awesome it was that we were doing this and that they loved our first chapter. It makes my heart so happy to see that. I know it makes us more excited to record the second chapter. Yeah I'm I'm just shocked so. Yeah so thank you for all who listened to our first chapter. Um, We hope you continue to tune in. Yeah, and give us feedback. We can talk about things that you share with us. Yeah, if there's any time you want us to talk about something, just DM us and we'd be more than happy to fit that into one of our next chapters. Yeah, that sounds exciting. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, we're just going to do a little life update, just talk about our weekends before we get into our books. So, how was your weekend? Yeah, my weekend was good. It's It was filled with homework projects, of course. Like, like always, we're coming down to Thanksgiving, so I'm doing a lot of homework. For those of you that don't know, I am going back to school for graphic design. I'm only doing it part-time, but it's all online, so it's kind of a lot of self-taught. Yeah, online classes are hard when you're not in person. It's just a lot of deadlines. It's like not going to class, it's hard to remember all the deadlines, even writing them down and going to school every day, but we're getting through it. How was your weekend? It was really good. I celebrated one of my best friend's birthdays, so we had a little night on the town with a bunch of our closest friends, which was very nice and... Super fun. Yeah, it was a nice weekend. Um, It's nice to get back together with a group of people. Yeah, it was. It was... I feel like with the whole COVID, like, last year, we didn't really do a whole lot, so we're kind of making up for it this year, but no, it was was really fun. It sounds awesome. Um, what are you reading right now? I feel like we should kind of do like a update each. Yeah, like what are you reading? Good question. I have been in such a reading slump, but I am working my way through Serpent and Dove by Shelby Mahurin. Sure. Um, Yeah, I hope I was close. Yeah, that's okay. Um, that is a fantasy. We haven't talked much about fantasy yet. It's something I'm hoping to talk a little bit more about. And then I'm also reading, no shock here, Carrie Aaron's. <laughs> I am reading Foes and Cons, which reminds me a lot of 13 Going on 30, actually. And I love that you say that because my roommates and I watched 13 Going on 30 this weekend. Really? Such a good movie. Such a classic. It's just a feel-good movie that you can turn on and it's just, I love it. 
I know, it's so quirky. And it's crazy that the girl, I don't know her name, sorry, um, that plays the young... Gosh, what is her name? I don't know, I'm having a blank. The main character when she's young, I know what you're talking about. I, I am blanking, I don't know why. But she plays the young version of the main character. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she just turned 30. Jenna. Jenna. Jenna Rank. Yes. She plays the young Jenna. Um, and she just turned 30 this year, which is, like, crazy. It's iconic to see the posts of her in that dress that Jenna, adult Jenna wears. Yep. Everybody needs that dress, I think. I want that dress. I know, it's so cute. So. I, I always see, at least once a year, I see somebody dress up as that for Halloween. And really? I'm like, every time I'm like, oh, why, I have never why don't seen I do that. that one year? I guess I'm not going out in the right places. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not. Um, is there anything on your immediate TBR? Uh, also, immediate? I don't know if we remembered to say this last episode, but TBR is to be read for anybody that doesn't know. Yes. So if you have like a book list of books you're getting to or you want to get to, that's what we call a TBR. Mm-hmm. But I don't think too many things are on my immediate TBR. I have a few sequel second books to things that I've read that I have. I haven't made them a top priority yet. Yeah. But you, like you said, you're a mood reader, so it's hard for you to like stick to a list. Right. I I have a goal. Yeah. But what are you reading and what is your TBR? Right now, I'm reading The Risk by L. Kennedy, which is part of the Briar U series. We'll talk about that a little bit later. Mm-hmm. And then also The Love Hypothesis by Allie Hazelwood, which we will be talking about at the end of this chapter. Yes, I'm super excited to get into that book. Yeah. Um, on my immediate TBR, I definitely, once December 1st hits, will be hitting the holiday books hard. Absolutely. Probably for the whole month of December. If not longer, into January. Yeah, into the new year. Um, But one book for sure is The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo. Mm -hmm. That has been on my TBR for months. And every time I go to pick up a new book, I forget to grab that one. Mm -hmm. But so many people that I've talked to love that book. I think it has amazing reviews on Goodreads, Oh, it does for sure. Like 4.6 stars or something out of 5. Yeah, which... If, for those of you not super familiar with Goodreads, I generally think anything over a 3.2 is usually a really good book. Yeah. Books that get four stars and above are usually like five stars for me. Yeah, I agree. And books in the three-ish, the middle threes are usually a four star, four star. if not five, just depending on I do how feel, I feel. I do feel like people on Goodreads rate things very harshly. Yeah, it just depends. Whereas I'm like, oh, that was good. Five stars. I know. One thing I need to work on not doing when I rate a book is immediately rating the book after I've finished it. I feel like I need to sit with my thoughts for a few days and be like, is this something I'm going to remember? And most importantly, will I remember the characters' names in a month? Because I feel like books that don't stick with me, I don't remember anything about and I really don't remember the character names. I'm bad at that too, rating it right away because if a book has a really good ending, I'm obviously more apt to give it five stars. And if it has a bad ending, I'm like, oh, I didn't like that. But it's like the end of the book that I'm remembering at the moment. Right. And so that's how I'm rating it. So I agree that it would probably be smart to 
rate it maybe like at least 24 hours after just you like sit it. with your thoughts yeah. for a little bit so today we're going to be talking romance tropes um i don't remember if we discussed what tropes were in our last chapter but for anybody that doesn't know tropes are what i would consider to be the overall theme of the book or kind of what the plot is based on so for example enemies to lovers the whole theme of the book would be two characters starting out as enemies and then the plot of the book would be how they turn their hate into love. So that would be kind of an example of the enemies to lovers trope. But there's also forced proximity, um, friends to lovers, small town romance. So we're going to dive into all of those today. We picked about two to three books for each romance trope that we're going to explain all of them we've read before and have overall loved and want to recommend to you guys. So we'll be talking a little bit about those and giving a little summary on each of those. Yeah, and side note that some books, if not all of the books we mentioned, have one or more of these tropes. So we might list off you know, it might be a forced proximity, but it might also be an enemies to lovers. Totally. Um, also, some of these books do have trigger warnings, so look those up before reading, or if you don't know how to look those up, just DM us and we can let you know what those are um, prior to reading. Yeah, definitely don't be afraid to ask for those because we don't want you to read a book that is going to bring up some past memories for you. Yeah, for sure. All right, so the first trope that we're going to be talking about is forced proximity. Um, we kind of discussed what that was, just being in a close environment yeah, that puts characters. you together. So the first book is Love at First Fight by none other than our girl Carrie Aarons. This one is also classified as an enemies to lovers, but we thought that the forced proximity was more present than the enemies to lovers. Um, so that's why we classified it as that. This one is a good beachy romance. It takes place in a summer house and I believe it's maybe in the Hamptons, I want to yeah, say. it's somewhere Somewhere very fancy. bougie, nice. Um, I loved reading this in the summer, but I also can picture myself loving it in the winter when I'm missing that yeah, winter would... or that <laughs> summer warm weather. I think it would take you out of the snow for a little bit. For sure. Or if you're going on vacation, this would be a good one to bring with you. Um, so the main characters are Molly and Smith. Smith is Molly's ex-boyfriend's best friend, so kind of... It's confusing. It is. Say it slower. Okay. So we can really, like, envision what we're talking about. So Smith is Molly's boyfriend, ex-boyfriend, best friend. (laughs) Yes. Yes. So kind of confusing. We get it. So they're very close. The guys are best friends. So they know of each other very well. They've been in the same environment multiple times. Smith has seen Molly and her ex-boyfriend's relationship. Yes, but uh, mind you, they are enemies, okay? So, um, here's a little description of the book. So, it goes, this summer was supposed to be spent lounging on the beach, madly in love with my boyfriend, until he decided to move to Singapore and break up with me an hour before his plane left. Now I'm stuck in the Hamptons, house share with six of his closest pals, including his best friend, who despises me. So this is a fun book where they're in this beach house together, they hate each other, but their rooms are right next to each other. You know, they share a bathroom where they brush their teeth at night, they're always running into each other. Yeah, so they have that forced proximity. Yes, so this is such 
an easy read. Like we said before, Carrie Aaron's books are super short. They're right to the point. They are, I would say, within 20 pages. Something big has happened. You're already sucked in. This was my very first Carrie Aaron's, and I don't... You haven't stopped since. I was going to say, I don't know if I'd have it any other way. Uh, I want to say this was, like, my fifth one that I read by her, but... You had read a lot of her books before you started me on to her. Yeah. And I think I think this you, is the one I recommended to you. Yeah, you definitely did. It's by far one of my favorites by her. And it's it's super short. So if you just have like an afternoon, a few hours, you can breeze yeah, through this. For sure. If you're looking for a beach read, highly suggest this one. So our next one in the forced proximity trope is called The Friend Zone by Abby Jimenez. This book follows characters Kristen and Josh, and I personally love the chemistry between these two characters, like, right off the bat. I love that this book is first built on a friendship. They, it's not an instant love. Yeah. It really has these two people that become friends, even though they kind of start out on a rocky path. Yeah, and one of my favorite parts about this book is that the author kind of gives us a look into what they're thinking throughout their friendship. So, like, as they start to fall in love with each other, they keep it away from each other. They don't ever talk about it, but inside their heads, we get a little bit of a look at... Yeah, I don't know if this book is dual perspective. I don't... I don't think it is. I don't think it is, but I like that the author, Abby, still gives you a look into both of them, even if it's not dual perspective. Yeah, I agree. It it really makes you feel both sides of those characters and not just driven by one main character. Totally. So here is a little description of what the friend zone is about. Kristen Peterson doesn't do drama. She will fight to the death for her friends and has no room in her life for guys who just don't get her. She's also keeping a big secret, facing a medically necessary procedure that will make it impossible for her to have children. Planning her best friend's wedding is bittersweet for Kristen, especially when she meets the best man, Josh. He's funny, sexy, never offended by her sarcasm, and always one chicken enchilada ahead of her hangry. Even her dog, Stuntman Mike, what a name, adores him. The only catch, Josh wants a big family someday. Kristen knows he's better off with someone else, but their attraction grows. It's harder and harder to keep him at an arm's length. Seriously, such a good book. If you need a romance book... It's so good because you're fighting for them to be together the entire book. Yeah, and while romance is a big part of this book, it's not the only part of this book. Right. There's definitely a lot of friendship, like we said earlier, which sometimes you need that to break up a romance book if you're not as much of a romance reader as I am. Right. They can be, like, so love-heavy that this gives it a nice little break. Yeah, so on the opposite spectrum of super friendly we are going to go into our last forced proximity which these two are not friends at all so this book is called the worst best man by mia sosa and we are following main characters lena and max and madeline hasn't read this book which i'm so shocked yeah i haven't i feel like you've the you've read it a while ago and i feel like every time i see it on my goodreads i think oh i need to read that yeah, this book was so cute, and I also had it on the Kindle for a long time before I decided to pick it up, but this book gives me major The Hating Game vibes, oh, So, which is so book. crazy that you haven't read it yet, because they are definitely also enemies to lovers, 
So another trope. My favorite trope. Yeah, but this book is awesome. And do you want to give us a little description? Yeah, so the description goes, A wedding planner left at the altar. Yeah, the irony isn't lost on Carolina Santos either. But despite that embarrassing blip from her past, Lena's managed to make other people's dreams come true as a top-tier wedding coordinator in D.C. After impressing an influential guest, she offered she's offered an opportunity that could change her life. There's just one hitch. She has to... Cl- <laughs> Tongue tied. <laughs> she has to. <laughs> she has to collaborate with her best, make that worst man from her own failed nuptials. Sorry, my brain works much faster than my mouth most of the time, but I'm definitely adding this to my TBR. Maybe for December. It's so cute. I don't think you'll regret it. Yeah. So okay, I am just going to go right into our second trope, which is enemies to lovers. My and favorite. I was gonna say. Our... Sorry, I hate when people sing on podcasts. So I will try not to. You're anymore. annoying. Okay. Um. So enemies to lovers in our first book is the Hating Game by Sally Thorne. Ten out of ten. One of the best romance I've read. Speaking of, this is being made into a movie, and it comes out like soon. Soon, soon. December tenth. I cannot tell you how excited I was to see the trailer pop up this last weekend. I remember you sending it to me. I don't know if it was over Instagram or where it was. Um, But this has been a movie I've been looking forward to for so long, especially because Lucy Hale plays the main character. Who's also named Lucy. Lucy. I know. So funny. I'm so excited. We have to go to the theaters to watch it. I will be there opening day. Oh, 100%. We need to go to the matinee. We sound like elderly. (laughs) Okay, so like I said, the main character's name is Lucy, and her love interest is Joshua. More likely, it's her enemy is Joshua. Her enemy to begin with is Joshua, and this is, I guess, I would also consider this a forced proximity because... Totally, they work together, like right across from each other. They have an office job, right? And they are, they're very close in the office, so... Yeah. Um... Yeah, and I think, like, the main premise of the book is them being enemies and fighting for the same position. Yeah, they're always one-upping each other, and they kind of have these games that they play to, like, get on each other's nerves. Um, But ultimately, like you said, they're going up for this new position or promotion. Yeah, promotion. Um, And I will read the description, but they make a bet that whoever loses has to resign. So this is like Stakes a huge. Are high. This is a huge bet. It could potentially like not destroy their careers, but definitely set them on a new path. And they don't. They don't just dislike each other. They really hate each other. They do stuff that you would. I don't. I don't even it's know. It's friendship ruining and yes. like never again. I would despise somebody if some of the things that they did. Yeah. Happened to me. Okay, you gotta read this description because okay. it's so cute. It's a little bit of a long one, so hang tight with us. Lucy Hutton is charming and accommodating and prides herself on being loved by everyone at Bexley and Gammon. Everyone except for coldly efficient, impeccably attired, physically intimidating Joshua Templeman. And the feeling is mutual. Trapped inside a shared office together 40 hours a week, they've become entrenched in an addictive, ridiculous, never-ending game of one-upmanship. Lucy can't let Josh beat her at anything, especially when a huge new promotion goes up for the taking. If Lucy wins the game, she'll be Joshua's boss. If she loses, she'll resign. So why is she suddenly having steamy dreams about Joshua and dressing for work like she's got a hot date? 
After a perfectly innocent elevator ride ends with an earth-shattering kiss, Lucy starts to wonder whether she's got Joshua Templeman all wrong. Maybe Lucy Hutton doesn't hate Joshua Templeman, and maybe he doesn't hate her either, or maybe this is just another game. Okay, you can't tell me that this one doesn't sound so good. And steamy. (sighs) Yeah. And I love the line in there that said that she's dressing for work like she's got a hot date, because... If I can remember one thing from this book, it is the description of some of the things she wears to the office. I, yeah. Fishnets. Yes, that's, that's what I was say. thinking. I was like, I don't want it to be a spoiler, but she does show up in fishnets nope. one day, and you can't be telling me that anybody who works a, cor- corporate, a job corporate job is wearing fishnets. Right, definitely not in the dress code. No. Okay, so we kind of, I think, have a theme going here with um enemies to lovers and them working together because this next book is shipped by angie hockman and this book follows henley and graham and let me just tell you it's beachy it's on a ship it is going for the same promotion like it is the hating game on the water Meets on honeymooners. Yes, so it's like the hating game on honeymooners. They're in the Galapagos Islands. One one quick side note. This is kind of going off track, but the guy's name is Graham. Okay, and it's spelled G R A E M E. I personally hate when books spell names that are so hard for me to read, especially if you're reading them and not listening to them. That's the one perk of an audiobook, is that they pronounce names for you. Right. Oh, sorry, I just had to get that out. But here is the little blip on shipped. Between taking night classes for her MBA and her demanding day job at a cruise line, marketing manager Henley Evans barely has time for herself, let alone family, friends, or dating. But when she's shortlisted for the promotion of her dreams, all her sacrifices finally seem worth it. The only problem? Graham Crawford Collins, the remote social media manager and the bane of her existence, is also up for the position. Although they've never met in person, their epic email battles are the stuff of office legend. Their boss tasks each one of them with drafting a proposal on how to boost bookings in the... Galapagos? Yeah. Best proposal wins for the promotion. There's just one catch. They have to go on a company cruise to the Galapagos? Galapagos Islands. (laughs) Together. But when the two meet on the ship, Henley is shocked to discover that the real Graham is nothing like she imagined. As they explore islands together, she soon finds the line between loathing and liking thinner than a postcard. Can you imagine getting on a... Sorry, I clapped too much. Can you imagine getting on a cruise ship with somebody you think you hate and being like, damn, you're kind of hot. Yeah. And also, she said they've never met in person before. So how do they hate each other so much? Or how does she hate him so much? I don't even know... I do know, but I don't even know if he hates her as well. You don't know if it's one-sided or not. Yeah, my only reason on why they could maybe hate each other is, well, one, they're going out for the same promotion, so instantly you hate the other person. Right. But people's tones can get taken way out of context. Through email. Through email or texting or anything that you can't hear somebody's voice. Absolutely. This one was really good, and it came out, I believe it came out in 2021. I could be wrong. I feel like I'm always wrong. I no, think I think you are right, though, because it's it's new. Or 2020. One of the two. It's it's within the last couple of years. The next trope that we are talking about is a small town romance. So, think Hallmark. That's totally. Im- that's immediately what comes to my mind when I think small town romance. And the first 
book, shall I say, is actually a series by Carrie Aaron's Shocker. But can be standalone. Okay, it can. I haven't read these yet. Madeline is the only one that's read them. I read all four of these books in two days. It might have even been shorter than two days. I could not stop myself. Let me tell you the names of them. The first one is Fleeting. The second's Forgiven. Third is Flutter. And the fourth is Falter. Yeah, if I'm being honest, the titles don't really... I'm not sure that they match the book's that well like I don't think I refer to them to the Nash Brothers 1, Nash Brothers 2, Nash Brothers 3, Nash Brothers 4. Sure. Just because each book follows a different brother Keaton, Bowen, Forrest, and Fletcher and um, on Goodreads they described it as four gorgeous brothers, one small town, and the women who drive them wild. Okay so sounds amazing. Sounds like Hallmark. I truly loved all four books. I remember you telling me just how like How can the next book just be equally as good as the first? It was crazy. I think I gave the first and third five stars and the second and fourth four stars, but they were still awesome. They were still all so good. I just liked the storylines of the first and third better. Um, And it's in a small town in Pennsylvania. Yes. And usually when books follow a family, they can kind of get repetitive. Yeah. Because it's like you see glimpses of their family and so you're like, okay, what more do I need to know about their family? Sure. But each brother has something that is so specific to them that really makes the books unique. Sure. Um, But so the first one, like you said, is fleeting and that follows um, the characters Presley and Keaton. So I'm going to give you a little synopsis this one's also kind of long i'm sorry you guys that these are so long but it's okay we want to get the full story so presley mcdaniel lives in her life from moment to moment making permanent decisions means obligation and that would force her to stop being the family's disappointment waitress fitness instructor dog walker you name the hourly job and she's probably held the position but when her grandmother can no longer run her bookshop in fawn hill a town so small it barely has its own zip code presley steps up to help The move from bustling city to green pastures may be exactly what she needs to sort out her life, but she didn't ask for that happy ending to include a gorgeous veterinarian with an all-American smile and a penchant for snuggling puppies. The good doctor is reliable, responsible, and just the kind of man Presley has always avoided. Love and commitment are predictable, so why, the moment she lays her eyes on him, are they all she wants? Keaton Nash has, has never questioned his steady path. His brothers may tease him about settling into his father's passed-down role of small-town veterinarian, but Keaton has never minded his rural roots. After tragedy struck two years ago, he has a duty as the eldest Nash man to look after his family. What doesn't, what he doesn't need is a sexy, flighty stranger who shows up in town and gets his, heart broke, his broken heart beating again. Presley McDaniel is a distraction, a red-headed temptation that is the definition of a bad idea. He's barely recovered from the one who left him to chase bigger dreams, and this woman is bound to do the same. Except for the first time ever, he wants to obey an instability. She makes him want to be reckless. Okay, that was such a shaky little blip for me, but... That's okay. The thing I picked up so much on this is that you said she's a redhead. Oh, yeah. I love that. I feel like we... I feel like every book I read is blonde. Blonde or brunette. Well, yeah, blonde or brunette, but like... It's always blonde eyes or blonde hair, but blue They're eyes. They're always the same character, just different book, different name. I, I love the red hair. I mean, I read this book before the All Too Well video came out, but if I were to read it now, Sadie Sink is who yes. I would picture. Gosh, she's gorgeous. To be this character. Um, but 
I just, maybe because we're from a small town, I love this small town romance, but... It just feels so quaint. And it's so intimate that it's one of the books where everybody knows everybody. I picture, like, small Christmas tree farm. Like, that's what I picture when you say small town romance. I picture one street that includes all of the businesses. And that is a pharmacy and a cafe where... And clearly a vet. A vet clinic. Yeah, exactly. But, okay, so you love this series so much. The next book I'm talking about is The Royals Next Door by Karina Hale. And this book is, like, my holy grail. I love this book so much. Um, this is considered a small-town romance. However, the town is an island, mm-hmm. and you can only get to it by ferry. Yeah. Which I love. It reminds me of The Proposal. Absolutely. Because both are... Both are based in Canada. Or no, that one's in Alaska. The proposal's in Alaska. Yeah, the hating game, I forget. I don't remember where this one is, but... This one's in Canada. Is it? Yeah. Okay, so... Yeah, I I forgot that it was in Canada. I was honestly picturing a tropical island. I think I'm still gonna picture... <laughs> it's okay. Maybe you just missed the little blurb <laughs> in the beginning of the book saying it's in Canada. I actually probably read it and didn't like it, so I decided to change it. Oh, I do that all the time. I do that with names. I do that with images, too. Like, of the character descriptions. Yeah, if I don't like, the, if I don't like the, the way that they look, which is so bad. Oh, my gosh. But... Yeah, oh, but if they're not who you picture and that... Right. I will picture something else. Okay, so the book, the main characters are Piper and Harrison, and they are also kind... I don't know if I would consider them them enemies to lovers, because they're They're not not very friendly right away. No, so Harrison is a bodyguard, which you'll soon find out as we read the description, but he comes off as stubborn, moody... Stale? Yeah, just not someone I would want to spend my time with. No. And Piper is, like... Funky. A teacher in an elementary school. She's quirky. She's got a huge personality right off the bat. And this book is, like, if Meghan Markle and Prince Harry... Moved next door to you. Yes. And you're forced to share a driveway. Yeah, because you live in their... They live what, in their guest house. Go, yeah, guest quarters that they're not, they're separated and they've been separated for a while, but they still share a driveway. Right. So, okay, I'm excited for you to read this description. Okay. Piper Evans, elementary school teacher by day, avid romance reader, and anonymous podcaster by night. She lives a quiet life, taking care of her mother who struggles with mental illness, avoiding her regrettable ex who bartends in town, and trying to make the tight-knit island community that sees her as an outsider. And she's happy with how things are until British royals rent the property next to hers and their brooding bodyguard decides she's a security threat. Piper quickly realizes that one person's fairy tale is an ordinary woman's nightmare as a media frenzy takes over the island and each run-in with Harrison Cole is hotter and more confusing than the last. But beneath Harrison's no-nonsense exterior lies a soft heart, one that could tempt a woman who's sworn off attachment into believing the White Knights. When Piper finds herself smack in the middle of a royal scandal that rocks the island, she'll need more than Harrison's strong arm to shield her. She'll have to do a little rescuing herself. With career hearts and friendships on the line, Piper and Harrison will have to decide what they're willing to give up for a chance at their own happily ever after. Yes, that sounds so good. I need everyone to read it. That one was a good one. That was one that I read 
immediately after you told me I needed to. I think I didn't, I didn't stop pestering you until I knew that you were picking it up. I think that I was reading a book when you first told me to read it and you were just counting down the minutes for me to finish it. I would have literally sat on the couch and watched you read this book. That's creepy, but yeah. (laughs) Now, I hope, I really don't like when people do that where they talk a book up so much and then I read it and then I'm like, oh. Not hyped. It didn't live up to my expectations, so. I think you gave it five. I gave it four. Yeah. I think this book pulled me out of a reading slump. Yeah. So that could have also been. I do feel like if you're in a reading slump and you read a book that is pretty good, you automatically are like, this is the best book ever. Yeah. I don't, I don't But not saying that that's, like, this book wasn't worth the hype because it totally was. Plus, another exciting thing about this book is at the end of it, there was a little glimpse into the second book in technically a series, but I believe they're standalones because the second book follows another bodyguard of the royals. So yeah. So, we'll get to see another. Um, the second bodyguard was, like, a little bit in the story. Towards the end, I feel not like. Not much, Mm-mm. but... Yeah, super excited for that. Um, our next trope is called Athletic Hero. I just, my mind instantly goes to High School Musical. Or... Okay, Troy Bolton. Troy Bolton or One Tree Hill. They... This So trope, good. Yeah, this trope focuses, I feel like, on that one super sexy stud high school athlete or college athlete. I'm just here depending. for it. Yeah. And we're kicking it off with one of my favorite series. Ooh, the Off-Campus Series by L. Kennedy. For those of you who watch book stuff on TikTok. You probably have seen this one. It's L. Kennedy, love your books, hate your covers. Covers are horrendous. They're always boys with their shirt off and it's from like neck to knee. Okay, talking about the first chapter we did when we talked about being embarrassed about what we read yes this one is a good contender for making me oh i don't know i'm they're just they're kind of like the juvenile well not only that but they're kind of racy like i figured this is something that are those horrible like love stories that like our grandma would read romance that you can get at walmart for three dollars a book yes so it's what the cover reminds me of and like we said in our first chapter we go off of what covers look like. Yeah, and I definitely would have never picked this book up. No. Not at all. But I love these books. Yeah, so the titles for the four books are The Deal, The Mistake, The Score, The Goal. And then there is a fifth book called The Legacy. I haven't read it, but from what my knowledge is, is it's a book that includes all of the characters from all four books. So is it considered like a novella? Potentially. I mean, if you go on like Goodreads or anything, it is considered the fifth book. Like it, okay. it's the off-campus series number five. So yeah, I guess I was going to ask you questions about it, but you said you haven't read yeah, it yet. Yeah, I haven't. Do I you mean, plan on reading it? I think I do. Um, I read most of them back to back, so I kind of wanted to break from them. Sure. But I do think that I will go back and read them at one point. Yeah, I definitely want to start these. I just, I feel like I have so many other books in my TBR first. It's hard to start a series because for me, I like to 
read all of them. Right, if they're finished, why why not just go right on right. to the next so if one. you have other books, it's hard to push yourself into a series. Um, these are set at Briar U Campus, which I believe is in Massachusetts. I mean, I don't think it's a real university, but it takes place in Massachusetts. It follows four roommates, Garrett, John Logan, Dean, and John Tucker. Um, oh my gosh, John Logan and John Tucker? They go by Logan and Tucker, but I wanted to make sure that I threw the That's full crazy. names in. I know, pretty crazy. Um, these are hockey boys, so if you like a hockey oh, romance. Love a hockey romance. These are for you. Um, they're also definitely boys that are full of themselves. I mean, not a stereotype, but I feel like a lot of athletes are kind of full of themselves. Um, and they're not boys that are usually ones to date. No, not to settle down. No. Um, the first book, The Deal, follows characters Harriet <laughs> Harriet, I just gave them a pet name. Hannah That's and so Garrett. Cute. They're like celebrities. Basically. So Hannah Wells has finally found someone who turns her on. But while she might be confident in, ev- in every other area of her life, she's also carting around a full set of baggage when it comes to sex and seduction. If she wants to get her crush's attention, she'll have to step out of her comfort zone and make him take a notice, even if it means tutoring the annoying, childish, cocky captain of the hockey team in exchange for a pretend date. All Gare Graham has ever wanted to play professional hockey after graduation, but his plummeting GPA is a threatening, is a threat to everything he's worked so hard for. If helping a sarcastic brunette make another guy jealous will help him secure his position on the team, he's all for it. But when one unexpected kiss leads to the wildest sex of both of their lives, it doesn't take long for Garrett to realize that pretend isn't going to cut it. Now he just has to convince Hannah that the man she was she wants looks a lot like him. Sorry, I guess I maybe should have gave you a little 18 plus on this one. Yeah, this one sounds mature. It is for sure. Um, Anything by L. Kennedy is definitely mature. Okay. But... How long are these books? Um, they're like high 300s, like 380. Okay, so not, not... Definitely not right to the point. You definitely have character development before anything happens. Are they a slow burn romance? I mean, somewhat. You both you get to see both of their characters. You get to mm-hmm. learn about Hannah and you get to learn about Garrett before they even meet each other. Okay, so the characters develop before we see them together. We learn about them Correct. separate. Yeah. Okay, I really like that. I think it makes the romance more believable than when it's a super fast-paced romance. Totally. It, it feels more realistic, in yeah, a sense. Genuine. So, okay, we are going to talk just briefly about another series by L. Kennedy that is also in this athletic hero trope. It is called Briar U Series, and I have not read this, but Madeline has, so you can talk about it again. Yeah, so I've actually only read the first book in this series. I mentioned earlier that I was reading The Risk, which is the second book in okay. this series. Um, I'm hoping to finish it soon so that I can kind of come full circle with it. Um, but it is a spinoff of the Briar U series, or the, of the um, off-campus series. Uh, so this kind of follows some of the characters that you meet specifically in one in the first series okay. um i said that one of the roommates in the first series was dean and the first book follows his sister summer oh cool i love when series do that yeah they just kind of it's completely different series you don't really talk about the other characters sure, from just... the off-campus series in this series how many times can i see, say series it's okay we're talking about a lot of series here anyways Um, so the first book is The Chase, then it's The Risk, The Play, and The Dare. 
Um, if you want to look those up, you totally can, but we're going to bypass a blip. Yeah, let's keep going. So our next trope is coming of age, which I look at as sort of character development that generally stems from like someone younger, maybe growing up. Um, Usually I would consider it to be like a high school romance. Yeah, just something where there's like a lot of character development through the story. I would also say that they kind of feel a little bit not juvenile, but definitely... You definitely feel young adult. Yeah, for sure. Which, I honestly love young adult books. I do too. They're so sweet. And the romance in young adult puts me back... So pure. Like, staring out the window to a sad song. Stop. Are we in a movie? It's <laughs> exactly what I think about. So, okay, this first book we have called The Wrong Bachelor by Alexandra Moody. This book was so fun for any of The Bachelor Oh my gosh. If you, yeah, if you love The Bachelor, this is a good one for you to read. This is a YA book that has, I don't want to say challenges to it, but they kind of, they do stuff on TV. They're recorded for their high school, their contestants. I read this one a while ago, so I'm not fully remembering the plot, but I think that they do stuff on TV, like they challenges. They do, yeah. Um, I also want to say, is there some sort of prize if you win? Or maybe it's just that they have to go out on a date. I think it's a date. Okay. I think, yeah. Sorry, we're really explaining this no, well. No, it's for charity. So oh, yeah, yeah, That's yeah. what I remember. It's for charity. So, and I think, you know, like, all the money they raise for, like, through these viewings and stuff goes to charity. But then the end reward is a date. Yeah. Okay, let's read this. Okay. Bachelor, a desirable potential boyfriend, a.k.a. not Cole Kingston. 17-year-old Madison, also known as Maddie, Matthews wants nothing to do with the dating competition her school is holding to raise money for charity. She's never been interested in chasing a guy before, and she certainly isn't interested in competing for one in front of the whole school. But when Maddie is voted as one of the lucky 10 contestants, she's given no choice but to vie for the heart of Lincoln High's most eligible bachelor. The problem is they've chosen the wrong guy. Cole Kingston might be good-looking, great at football, and practically the king of Lincoln High, but he's also cocky, arrogant, and a serial flirt with and Maddie's worst sworn enemy. She will be able to, oh, will she be able to resist him, though when her competition heats up and he turns his charm on her. I know. It's bringing back memories. It is. I remember reading this and, like, flying through it. I flew through this book. Totally. Okay, we're going to talk about one of your favorite series. Yeah. The Summer I Turned Pretty by Jenny Han. You guys, like I said in our first chapter, this is just my tried and true, got me into reading. It was kind of like my gateway book. I remember when you first read this book, I was like, holy crap, she's reading, I've done it, she's (laughs) on our side, she's a reader now, and I remember you flying through them so much that I was like, this too-good-to-be-true moment is almost over, and what do I give you next to continue? Yeah, I I solely went based on your recommendations. Yeah, which is funny, because I read these first, and now I don't remember them and these are like my everything i remember the first one with belly but then at the end I don't, you don't know what happens i don't remember what happened did you even finish all of them i did i just it's been that long ago okay so the main characters are belly jeremiah and conrad definitely a summer beach read um it reminds me of when i was younger either in elementary school or middle school and i would look up to the high schoolers and be like, you are so cute. I have the biggest crush on you. Just very innocent love. Definitely. Definitely romanticizing someone who's just, like, slightly older than you. 
but still within arm's reach. And potentially awkward in their, like, weird phase. Yeah, but you're just blinded because you love them so much. Right. As at least adult- that's how I was. Well, and as an adult, you would look at them. Or, like, even with us being 20-somethings, looking at a kid their age would be like, oh, child. Yeah. There's so much yet to learn. Okay, here's the blip. Belly measures her life in summers. Everything good and everything magical happens between the months of June and August. Winters are simply a time to count the weeks until the next summer, a place away from the beach house, away from Susanna, and most importantly, away from Jeremiah and Conrad. They are the boys that Belly has known since her very first summer. They have been both her brother figures, her crushes, and everything in between. But one summer, one terrible and wonderful summer, the most, the more everything changes, the more it all ends up just the way it should have been all along. Mm, it just sounds so heartwarming. It does, and I don't even feel like that blip gives you... It doesn't sound as good as the books are. No. No, it doesn't. Jenny Han, I can rewrite this for you. Can you remember the three names of the books? The Summer I Turned Pretty, We'll Always Have Summer, and... Was there one called, like, The Summer That Changed Everything or something close to that? No, I'll look it up. Okay, no, I'm not close at all. Yeah, I just realized that we hadn't told you guys what these were called, and I just wanted to... They're also coming out with a movie, are they really? Yes, Abby. Yeah. I feel like I might have known that, but although, like, the same thing with the hating game in the movie, it's like, I felt like I knew that, but until I actually saw the trailer, did I really know that? Did it sink in? No. I know. So, it's The Summer I Turned Pretty, It's Not Summer Without You, and We'll Always Have Summer. Okay, I was completely off. That's okay. Okay. I, I clearly didn't remember either, but let's move on. Okay, let's move on. Our next trope is Friends to Lovers, which is another fave. Yeah. Not as much as enemies to lovers, but still love it. It's also not as popular. Friends to lovers, I feel like, yeah, just not as popular. The first one we are going to read came out this year. It's by Emily Henry, and it is called People We Meet on Vacation. Super cute cover. If we were picking by the cover, this would have been Definitely one be one. Definitely would have been, you know, right there along with Beach Read, which is also written but, by Emily Henry. Yeah. Which people love both. Yeah, super cute. We follow characters Poppy and Alex through this book, and they are, like, college best friends. Yeah. If you like um, cruises or have ever been on a cruise, this is definitely one for you. Yeah. This is a good book. It's very tropical. Yeah, definitely. Here's the blip. Poppy and Alex. Alex and Poppy. They have nothing in common. She's a wild child. He wears khakis. Wow. Really hating on khakis. (laughs) She has insatiable wanderlust. He prefers to stay home with a book. And somehow, ever since a fateful car share home from college many years ago. Am I stale? (laughs) No. I can't read. It's okay. She's a wild child and he wears khakis. She has insatiable wanderlust. He prefers to stay home with a book. And somehow, ever since a fateful car share home from college many years ago, they are the very best of friends. For most of their year, they live far apart. She's in New York City and he's in their small hometown. But every summer for a decade, they have taken one glorious week of vacation together. Until two years ago when they ruined everything. They haven't spoken since, and Poppy has everything she should want, but she's stuck in a rut. When someone asks when she was last truly happy, she knows without a doubt it was on that ill-fated final trip with Alex. So, when she decides, she decides to convince her best friend to take one more vacation together, lay everything on the table, and make it all right. Miraculously, he agrees. Now she has a week to fix everything. If only she can get around the one big truth that has always stood quietly in the middle of their seemingly perfect relationship. What could possibly go wrong? What could go wrong? Everything. Yeah. Potentially. 
Moving on. <laughs> Josh and Hazel's Guide to Not Dating by Christina Lauren. I feel like this book is not hyped as much as it should be. I think that this is one of their earlier books, which is maybe why... And the cover looks kind of juvenile. Yeah, it's not the best cover. Um, for those of you not familiar with Christina Lauren, they are two writers, yep. Christina and Lauren, and their books are always dual perspective. Yep, and I love it. It's amazing. Each author, both Christina and Lauren, write chapter to chapter. One person is the boy perspective, one is the girl perspective. Yeah, I. they do dual perspective so well. I love it. And I think I love it so much because they are two different minds writing. Right. So they can truly be two different characters. Right. Yeah. So no shock here. Our main characters are Josh and Hazel. Yes. Here's the quick blip. Hazel Camille Bradford knows she's a lot to take, and frankly, most men aren't up to the challenge. If her army of pets and thrill for the absurd don't send them running, her lack of filter means she'll say exactly the wrong thing in a delicate moment. Their loss... She's a good soul in search of honest fun. Josh Eim has known Hazel since college, where her zany playfulness provided completely incompatible with his mellow restraint. From the first night they met, when she gracefully threw up on his shoes, to when she sent him an unintelligible email while in post-surgical haze, Josh has always thought of Hazel more as a spectacle than a peer. But now, ten years later, after a cheating girlfriend has turned his life upside down, going out with Hazel is a breath of fresh air. Not that Josh and Hazel date, at least not each other, because setting each other up on progressively terrible double-blind dates means there's nothing between them, right? This book was so cute. I loved it. We actually read this one for a book club. Yeah, we did, and this one was amazing. It was so good. I remember reading it in like a day. Just an easy read. So easy. Definitely check this one out if you want a light-hearted, fun book. Yeah, quick read. Super quick read. Okay, on to another trope. It is a second chance romance. Yeah. So sometimes this can be people who have dated before and it didn't work out the first time or... Right person, wrong time. Yeah, definitely. So this is One True Love by Taylor Jenkins Reid. I actually remember mom giving me this book as a recommendation. Well, we owned this book because she read it, I think. Yeah. And then... Yeah, I think she gave it to one of us for you. you I think I I think it was one summer I was looking for something to read and she's like, Oh, this is a good one. Like it's romance. I'm sure. Yeah, she didn't really hype it. No, but it was really cute. I would have hyped it. I really liked this one. Yeah, I've definitely um tried to give this to other people Mm -hmm. to read. It's one that I'm like, if you like romance, I'm sure you'd like this one. It's also a book where the ending is like, What would you do? Yeah. And you don't necessarily see you can't predict the ending i mean you can but it's not super apparent no so main characters are emma jesse and sam in her 20s emma blair marries her high school sweetheart jesse they build a life for themselves far away from the expectations of their parents and the people of their hometown in massachusetts they travel the world together living life to the fullest and seizing every opportunity for adventure on their first wedding anniversary jesse is on a helicopter over the pacific when it goes missing just like that, Jesse is gone forever. Emma quits her job and move home in an effort to, well, in an effort to put her life back together. Years later, now in her 30s, Emma runs into an old friend, Sam, and finds herself falling in love again. When Emma and Sam get engaged, it feels like Emma's second chance at happiness or it feels like Emma's second chance at happiness. That is until Jesse is found. He's alive and he's been trying all these years to come home to her. 
With a husband and a fiancé, Emma has to now figure out who she is and what she wants while trying to protect the ones she loves. Who is her one true love? What does it mean to love truly? Emma knows she has to listen to her heart. She's just not sure what it's saying. Mm, this book. Oh my gosh, I should not have been in charge of reading. That's okay. Reading is hard, especially when you're reading out loud. And it's like it gives me that, that like terrifying memory of being in grade school and counting. And popcorning. Yes, or counting the paragraphs ahead. and the To children. see which and rereading to make sure you know what you're going to say. Yes. That is just, like, the anxiety. So funny. Anyways, this is a really good one because, I mean, it's definitely not a thriller by any means, but it kind of gives you that what's going to happen. Yeah, it's definitely, it definitely has that, like, fast pace. Yeah, you page turning. Yeah. Cool. So, our next trope is... And I believe it's our final trope. Okay. Well, it's... We're getting of, there, everybody. Stay with us. It's one of our favorites. It, it is fake dating or a fomance. Ugh, I love it. I am obsessed with a fake dating trope. I am too, but why? I I don't know, because I think it puts them in forced proximity as well. Yeah, I can see and that. And they have to spend a lot of time with each other. And if you like fake dating books, we shouldn't... Um, we shouldn't promote Netflix, probably, because, you know, they don't pay for us yet. Not sponsored yet. 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 Keyword. <laughs> but Love Hard. Oh, my gosh. Is the movie of the Christmas season, yes. I promise you. It's with Heather McMahon and Nina Dobrev, and it is the cutest little holiday love story. It's holiday, fake dating. Yeah, it's just everything So good. Amazing. You have to okay, watch it. So let's jump into the books now, what we're really here for. The Wedding Date by Jasmine Guillory, or Guillory, I think it's Guillory. Yeah. And this book is part of, gosh, what are they up to now, five or six? Six, I think. It's a six-book series, but all of them can be standalones. And I think the sixth one is for sure the last one. No, it is, yeah. So, our main characters in this first one are Alexa and Drew. Here's our blip. Agreeing to go to a wedding with a guy she gets stuck with in an elevator is something Alexa Monroe wouldn't normally do, but there's something about Drew Nichols that's too hard to resist. On the eve of his ex's wedding festivities, Drew is minus a plus one, until a power outage strands him in the perfect, with the perfect candidate for a fake girlfriend. After Alexa and Drew have more fun than they ever thought possible, Drew has to fly back to Los Angeles and his job as a pediatric surgeon, and Alexa heads home to Berkeley where she's the mayor chief, mayor's chief of staff. Too bad they can't stop thinking about each other. They're just two high-powered professionals on a collision course towards the long-distance dating disaster of the century or closing the gap between what they think they need and what they truly want. Can you imagine getting stuck in an elevator with a man and him asking you to be his fake girlfriend to his ex-girlfriend's wedding? No. It honestly sounds like an insane situation. Would you say yes? No. I don't no, know I have if I Stranger would. Danger. I do too, so maybe this is, like, so fake because it's a book. Dad, don't worry. We would both not take that person up on it. <laughs> don't worry. We are safe individuals. Speak for yourself. Maybe I would. Get a little thrill. Oh, I don't see that happening. <laughs> Probably not. I'd be too scared. Also, to mention the steam factor on this one. Oh, yeah. If we were rating on chili peppers, which is what I like to say, I think... 3.5. Yeah. Well, that out of seems five. low. That's out seems of five. Low. Okay, but you can't compare it to, like, an erotica. 
I mean, we're just basing on steam. Okay. Let's you can see. do it different than me. No, I know. Um, This book, I would say, has an open-door romance. Yeah. Which, for those of you that don't know, sometimes romance, the sex scenes are considered open-door, closed-door, or, like, partial. And an open-door romance is where you get the details. You, you would be basically in the room with them. Right. You get details. Nothing's left out. Closed door is, like, they allude to... What's going to happen, but they don't yep. go into detail. Partial is, like, you might start out, but you don't get tons of, like, raunchy detail. Yeah. So. This is a good one, especially if you want to get into a series. Um, this would be a good one to go into. Next, we have The Our un- Honeymooners, also by Christina Lauren. Um, I yes. went through a big phase with them where I wanted to read, like, all of their books. We both did, and now we've moved on to Carrie Aaron's, but I will always, they're an automatic buy. Oh, yeah. When their book comes out, I will buy it no matter what I hear about it. Yeah, if anybody's looking for a holiday romance, they have one called In a Holidays, and it's a super cute book, so check it out if you're looking for yeah, another holiday, a holiday book. Yeah. yeah, so this one follows Olive and Ethan. And they're also enemies to lovers, too. Oh, another cruise. I just, I don't know. I love a cruise. It's just the setting. It's just a really fun setting. It's somewhere you're not. Maybe because we've never been on a cruise, I kind of find... I think they're dirty. Oh. <laughs> I feel like I would get sick. Honestly, and there's a lot of kids. <laughs> it's like, I think people who don't want to watch their... No, I shouldn't say that. That sounds judgmental. I was going to say, I think people who want just, like, a vacation and not have to watch their kids. They send them on a cruise. (laughs) Yeah, because I feel like there's a lifeguard. Kids, go to the wave pool. We're going to be tanning. (laughs) We're going to be at the bar. (laughs) And they can't leave. Like, their kids, where do they go? They go to the pool. I know, but I would get nervous that my kid would get trapped in somebody's cruise room. I just had a thought. I would love to go on a Disney cruise. What happens if they poop in the pool? Yeah, do they, how do they drain it? They can't. Does it go into the ocean or does it go down to someone's hotel room? It's got to go through the pipes. Maddie, they scoop it out like the rest of the places do and add more chemicals. You don't think Wisconsin Dells empties? Abby, do you remember when we went to that campground? I was so PO'd that we had to evacuate the pool. I was in there for like 30 seconds before the lifeboard told everybody to get out. You were swimming with a turd. Yeah, it's disgusting. Rose, we need to get off of this before I can't talk anymore because I'm laughing. Okay, so anyways, hard. here's the blip. Olive is always unlucky in her career, in love, and well in everything. Her identical twin sister, Amy, on the other hand, is probably the luckiest person in the world. Her meet cute with her fiance is something out of a romance comedy gag, and she's managed to find her fiance to finance her entire wedding by winning a series of internet contests. Double gag. This isn't my double gag game. This is the author's. Worst of all, she's forced Olive to spend the day with her sworn enemy, Ethan, who just happens to be the best man. Olive braces herself to get through the 24 hours of a wedding howl before she can return to her comfortable, unlucky life. But when she enters, when but when the entire wedding party gets food poisoning from eating bad shellfish, the only people who aren't affected are Olive and Ethan. Surprise. And now there's an all-expenses-paid honeymoon in Hawaii up for grabs. Putting their mutual hatred aside for the sake of free vacation, Olive and Ethan head for paradise, determined to avoid each other at all costs. But when Olive runs into her future boss, the little white lie she tells him suddenly at risk to become a whole lot bigger. 
She and Ethan now have to pretend to be loving newlyweds and her luck seems worse than ever, but the weird thing is that she doesn't mind playing pretend. In fact, she even feels kind of lucky. And was I wrong that this doesn't play, take place on a cruise? Um, no, they don't. They go to a resort. Oh. I really, when you said cruise, I really had it in my mind that it was a cruise, but no, I think they fly to the all-inclusive and they just stay there. You're right. I don't know why. I just got Caribou- Caribbean cruising on the mind. Rachel Hawthorne, which I don't think was her real name, is the author of Caribbean Cruising, and she writes a very distinct young adult book. There was a time period where all books came out in a tiny size with super... It's like a pocket book. It's called a mass media paperback. They're generally cheaper. They're like five bucks. Okay. But the they were so distinct because the fronts were like super cute and colorful and then the backs always had a really fun blip or like blurb like a you know if they were traveling outside the country it might be like a passport clip on the back yeah there's always something like super cute but i think that's where you're getting cruise yeah or maybe i just want books about cruises even though you think they're dirty i think a cruise is nasty You won't catch me on one. Okay. I'll hold you to that. I won't ever buy you a cruise. I mean, if you buy one for me, I might bring my shower shoes, but... Okay. All right, you guys. That concludes our romance tropes discussion. I'm sorry it was very reading heavy. We won't try and do that again in the future, but we definitely wanted you guys to get an idea of what each book was about. Yeah, we wanted to give you a good idea of what each trope was about. Without giving spoilers, too. And these are definitely some of the top books we recommend if, like, if you're new to reading or you're in a reading lull or you just need something outside, like, your normal comfort zone. All of these are feel-good books that I can almost guarantee everybody will like. Yeah, I mean, it might not be a five-star read for everyone, but it's definitely enjoyable. Yeah. And I guess that's all we can ask for. Totally. So we want to start doing a segment where we talk about a book at the end of each chapter that we want to read this coming week and then next chapter we can discuss it. Yeah, so we'll give like a brief description of the book that we've chosen for this week and then at the end of next week's chapter we can have a little bit of a spoiler Spoiler discussion. We just want to be able to have a way for you guys to be interactive with us recording a podcast. It's obviously not live to you guys so we can't get yeah we can't talk back we can't get immediate reactions from you so if you do want to read this book with us we are reading The Love Hypothesis this week by Allie Hazelwood. You can always DM us with any thoughts you have and we can kind of pull that into our discussion for next week's chapter. Yeah, and if you don't have thoughts, just letting us know you're reading along is always fun, too. Yeah. So, this book, I'm sure if you haven't heard about it, you probably just don't follow a lot of books. Or you've maybe seen the cover. Yeah, probably. This book has been everywhere lately the past few months. It's, like, it's a book of the month. I've heard about. It was a book of the month choice last month. Um, it has 4.46 stars on Goodreads. And, like, over 100,000 reviews, so that's incredible. Right, for Goodreads, that's amazing. I've seen a lot of people, like, influencers that I follow who have read it and obviously have thoroughly enjoyed it. Yes, this is, um... You said it was, like, a Star Wars-esque love, or it follows... There is... It's, like, a Star Wars fan fiction. Okay. So, I believe the main characters... Their names are Olive and Adam, and 
they follow, if you watch Star Wars, Kylo Ren and Rey, and so, I mean... But it doesn't have anything to do with Star Wars. It doesn't. There is one part in there where Olive kind of mentions how she's wearing a Star Wars tee, and okay. I think it's really cute, and with um, the main character's name being Adam, Adam Driver is the character... The real, um, Kylo Ren's character, it's his real name, is Adam Driver. So, there are, like, slight connections to Star Wars, but, um, yeah, you don't have to like Star Wars. This book follows Adam and Olive, and they are both scientists. Okay. Um, I haven't read this. Abby has. Yes, I've read it. I think that this is a book you should just go into with, like, not knowing too much, but they're scientists. Olive is working on a final PhD project. Adam is kind of like an instructor. Not Adam. Yes, Adam. <laughs> I'm getting it mixed <laughs> up now in my head. But he is an instructor and they have a fake dating trope that yeah. happens throughout the book. So that's what we're going to be reading for next week's chapter. I would encourage anybody who can to read along with us. If you have a Kindle, get it on Kindle. Go to your Barnes & Noble library. Library. Download the Libby app. See. Yes. And a lot of, if you like audiobooks, a lot of the places that you can buy them offer like a month free or your first few books free. Nice. Or things like that. So you could sign up and then cancel before they charge you. Oh, that's, that's a good thought. So we really enjoy everyone tuning in to this week's chapter. We love obviously talking about romance, so today was very fun for us. Yeah, we hope you enjoyed it and hope it didn't get too long. Yeah, so thanks for everybody who stuck with us this far, and we'll see you next chapter. If you enjoyed this chapter of Probably Reading Podcast, help us by leaving a rating and review, and don't forget to subscribe. Follow us on Instagram for more PRP content.